Coming up in this episode of the KickCast, a device to help monitor your home network, give your violin a nice shoulder rest, and have your kids build their own tablet. All that and more coming up, so sit back and relax. It's time for the KickCast. Hey everybody, it is time for another episode of the KickCast, the, pro- the show where we go out and find projects for you to back, sack, or track. I am KT Data, one half of the show, and joining me is a man that not only does he go and help NASDAQ spread their word to the world, but he also manages to convince his students that playing video games is legitimate research, the one and only Drew Tyler. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I don't know how you come up with half of this stuff. It's uh, all true. But it's just, it just I stalk you. I stalk you on social media. So this is, this, is how, this is how I get my inspiration. There you go. Well, you found some good ones this week. I did. I played with Nasdaq, which was really fun last week. Uh, I brought a student with me so that they would pay me a little bit more, and then I slide a little bit of money to the student. Plus, it looks good on the resume. But that was fun. What was the video game one? Who did I well, convince? Well, to play? I uh, I don't remember, but I remember seeing a picture of everybody sitting around the PS4 oh, yeah. because they had yeah. to get better at reviewing things. So you got to yeah. play the game, or you can't review it. Right. It was, it was a, a writing class, I think, where they were trying to just be better writers. And so let's yeah. learn how to write video games. So we all played Starwall oh. with the uh, the little wiggly Starwall narwhal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Blast! That was a blast. I, I, yeah, I did that. I yeah, did that. You see, so that, that's that's why I think like if you guys want a good education, not only in news reporting and new media, and but you just want an awesome professor, you guys should go to Weber State University and jump into the comms department. Are you still the advisor for the undergrads? Yep. Yeah, yep. and you'll, you'll, you will have Drew as your advisor, and if you do really bad, we'll just make fun of you on the show here. Yes, it's just... it's, and I had one. I had a new advisee come in today, and I know they won't see this, but this new advisee came in. She's like, "I'd like to know more about the program," and then proceeded to text on her phone throughout our entire conversation, where I was trying to tell her what the program was about, and pick her nose, and play on the phone, and pick her nose, and play on the phone. And I'm like, "Is this is this important to you? Because I'm kind of taking time out of my day." So to... I, I need to apologize on behalf of all the millennials in the world. <laughs> I hate it, it too, was. and I am one of them. I'm in that age bracket, and it annoys me too. But I need Man. to like, you're not alone, and I'm one of them. Like, I'm supposed to be doing these things, and I hate it. It was bad. It was bad. Anyway, let's do show. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, if this is your first time watching the show, first of all, yes, the first part of the show is me hero worshiping Drew because he's that awesome. Um, and the second <laughs> of all, my favorite part of the show. The, second of all, welcome to the show. We hope you guys have fun because that is our goal: is to not only have you find cool projects, but make sure you have fun along the way. So before we jump into that, we have a bunch of news to cover, and this is the the first one is actually interesting. Um, and hopefully I put the lower third up right for that. Uh, nope, that's not the one. Uh, so Kickstarter has announced Kickstarter patrons. And you're probably going, what? Kickstarter's jumping into the Patreon scene? First of all, they already did. It's called Drip. I still haven't seen anybody use that other than the writer right. of iZombie. Um, so they already do that. And this is this is an interesting thing. So Kickstarter patron or patron patrons wow i'm so used to saying patreon that i want to say like you that. can't even say patron without <laughs> yeah, i can't it. say the actual like original word pa- patron um so it's a pilot program that they're actually putting together and it's supposed to kind of create a bridge between institutions or people or or they call it that institutions that champion creative projects um 
in other words, rich people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, who's champion, championing projects? I mean, that's how you champion. You put money behind it. So yeah. That, okay. So they are, and um, the creators bringing these projects to life. So they're looking for paid patrons that are nonprofit or for profit, but they all share the belief that creative works are essential to a healthy and vibrant society. Um, so what they're looking for, and this is where I'm saying it's rich people because you're like, KT, you're just adding labels to people and you shouldn't do that because that's bad. Um, because, But the, here's a requirement. Each Kickstarter patron we select for the program makes a public commitment to support campaigns through a series of pledges that are $1,000 or greater. Or I would totally apply for this, but I can't afford to back projects at a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars? Can you imagine? I think if you took all the projects you've ever backed, I bet you're up to a thousand. It, it's over I'm a thousand. It's over yeah. a thousand. I but we're put not. One. We are not. We are not going to add up the the number of dollars I've put into Kickstarter over the years. Um, let's not do that, or I might die. Um, but so then it goes, our team then points them towards projects that align with their mission and they select which projects they want to get behind just as any other backer would to push them one step closer to reality and follow the journey along the way. Patrons create a profile where anyone can learn more about them and see the projects they support. I mean, seriously, if somehow KitCast could afford to back projects at a thousand dollars levels, I totally apply for this because I, I, that's part of the, the I, I think that's lost a lot of times when people see crowdfunding now is that you want to help somebody achieve their dream. And this, you know, that's 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 why I tend to back a lot more. Plus they also have to put exclusive limited edition. That encourages that, that's me too. You but back, yeah. but I, I do want to back them. So like if you actually look at my profile, I try to back a lot of the projects, but when I do back projects, it tends to be not the, just the base level. It's something higher uh, because I want to help sure. them out. So... What what they're doing is they're starting out with two companies, and Drew, you may actually have heard of one of these two companies. So one of them is called American Documentary. So they're mm. a nonprofit media corporation that uh, does documentaries for the public good. So you may so it's have in the Knight Foundation. Is this the same Amdoc? Um, I think so. Knight Amdoc Patron Fund. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah, J- yeah, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. Mm-hmm. So. People at home, you may have sound if you're old like me and not like Drew. <laughs> you're old. You you may have heard of this show called POV on PBS. They make that. <laughs> so so that what what they're going to do is they're going to get behind creators from the 26 communities across the US that the Knight Foundation regularly supports um and finds films and stories that kind of form around these communities and help them out in that term. And the other one is Pinewood Atlanta Studios. So I didn't know this until I started talking to a lot of people. Atlanta is a huge, huge, huge spot for filming movies. Um, and Pinewood Atlanta Studios is actually one of the biggest studios there. I mean, because like, I think all the Avengers and stuff were filmed in downtown Atlanta, turned to make look at like New York and stuff, and I think the Transformers are stuff. So they're looking for to help increase movie creators in the Georgia area and help them get that foot into the world because... Drew, you probably know like Hollywood is that's a tough business to get into. Oh, yeah. But once you get your foot in the door, it's a lot easier. But trying to get your foot in the door is the hard part, right? Yes, and then and then working your way up after you at least have gotten the connection. Like, yeah, it's not it's not easy to get into that one for sure. So yes. This is a fantastic way to start though. Yeah, I I, I love these large foundations and maybe one day KitCast will make enough money that I can apply to do this. Because I totally would do it to do like kind of a pay it forward fund where 
we could even make like let the community vote each month on what we're going to donate the thousand dollars to that would be a great idea i just need to find a rich friend that will be willing to support this (laughs) yes all we need is twelve thousand for the first year we'll help out (laughs) yep all right so um our next piece of news is actually another crowdfunding website and um drew you you know my day job is in the medical field um and you guys know i geek out when it comes to stuff in the medical field and they suffer the same problems that everybody else is trying to get the green um, like a lot of times researchers are spending chunks of time trying to get funding from the NIH or other grants and stuff. Um, so it makes sense that we would see a little bit more into the medical field looking to do crowdfunding. So we found a site called MedStarter. And the thing that I don't get is the, the site they do, they drop the E at starter. But then they also oh. they also have two other vowels that are still in the name, so that makes no sense to me. Start, <laughs> you know, it, it's a little weird. Because if you want to be Web two point it'd be M D S T R T R. You drop right? all yeah. the yeah, you drop yeah. all the vowels, but they didn't. They only dropped the last one. Um, so this is a crowdfunding site that is for for um, health science or biotechnology kind of related projects. Um, so I, I kind of just looked through it and. There are a lot of kind of different projects that are kind of help to aim through healthcare. Like um, this health monitor right here is a non-invasive diagnostic, so it scans you. You don't take any blood. Um, other things, and I don't know why, but this seems to be the hotness. I'm not that in tune with the healthcare world to see, but they are trying to get blockchain into the healthcare, um, really? which I think actually makes sense because if you do it right – Transferring your medical records could be as easy as giving your new doctor your view key and they have all your medical records right there instead of trying to wait for a folder or something get to, to get transferred through. But you can see a lot of kind of um, like there's a blockchain powered vitamin service, um, teeth genetically regenerate your own teeth and stuff. So they all run kind of similar to how your normal Kickstarter is, but it's all, all different uh, – different healthcare related things. And then I like this. It will, it gives you the bio of the person. So you can see this guy is Anthony Stearns. He's the chief, the CEO, um, and then kind of his background, his profile. And then what's cool is you can donate. So they have their goal, but they also have this kind of interest and adoption score. So you can like it, you can try it. You want to partner with them or other. Um, And then the adoption score is you want to, tells you how you want to be informed with them all the way from just a follower to an early adopter to a mentor or you want to be like a heavy-handed investor hmm. interesting check out this one did you see the one that's the uh if you step back into the equity raise for the handheld nitrous Ooh. at the top corner let's see where is that that's that uh, your favorite it's most popular so it must be the like the second oh, it's, one it's probably on the top. first page uh very first page yeah see. so it was just hilarious because i saw that and i was like i made one of my own in high school like it is seriously just a nitrous, like it's a cracker. So it's- I I I've I I've seen uh I've I've seen I've seen uh waiting. Is it, don't you just use the whipped cream cans for that yeah. too? Yeah. So this is like hilarious that they've they basically tried to patent and make a nice design around it. it. Has nothing to do with MedStarter. Sorry, I just saw this and was like, wait, you just <laughs> put a bunch of PVC pipe together and you put your you put your nitrous inside and you crack it and put a balloon on the end. And- this this takes you back. But yeah, so it takes so, it way back. so so this this is interesting, and this is where a lot of my medical background comes into handy. So they've already been CE marketed. They also have an ISO certified, so they're ISO thirteen forty five, and they have the MDR certification for the CE market. 
Um, they even got the Canada. They are approved to sell in Canada, which I will tell you, it is a pain in the butt to get approved wow. in Canada. Um, and you know, they tell you investors already, and stuff. And I, I like this. They've already raised the first round. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, 180 million. Like, um, <laughs> sorry, it, it tells you though. So it's approved for animal use only. Um, this product may not be sold in the USA for human use pending FDA approval of the inhaler. The gas is approved for in the USA under N, uh, NDA 2086.9. The inhaler has been submitted to the FDA under the de novo process, which is, I believe, kind of a um, fast-track process to that. Well, I so, think it's a fantastic idea, and I would pay 10 bucks for it. Yeah, and I, I love the site because it does put all the biotech things together because i have a hard time finding those on on kickstarter and sometimes when you see them on kickstarter i'm a little skeptical about them like uh, i mean this, the, the baseline science seems okay but i need to go research this a little bit more whereas on this site you can see they're listing stuff that i'm already familiar with so i'm like okay yeah that makes sense that looks legit that looks legit um gives me a little bit more information for it so if you guys are looking to make a biomedical device you may want to check out medstarter.com I really wonder what they're like, um, like, like the traffic, like how many people are coming here and and doing that. So, so I guess it'll take a little while, but yeah. And I, I think they've already their numbers. So after 291 campaigns and hundreds of successes, we know what it takes to do this. So they're they don't. It's unlike Indiegogo, who will just take everything. I think you have to go through an application process, and they vet you a little bit too, because. Of course, a lot of this is medical-related stuff, so you don't want to use a bunk item um, on yourself so you can make yourself sick. I've got a lot of bunk more. items I could come up with. <laughs> All that right. is interesting. That's a very unique crowdfunding, and I, yep. I like it. I like it. Is it better than the porn one? I can't. What was yes. the name of the porn one? I don't recall that. One of these days, I'm going to go see if that site's still around or not. <laughs> I remember the one that was just for pants or clothes or something like that that we did. <laughs> Um, all right, so for our last piece of news, um, Will Russell has distilled down a, math- a simple mathematical system he uses to help that he has used to help people raise over three million dollars on crowdfunding sites in the past few years. So um, I don't. I, I wanted to talk about this because it, it's actually solid stuff that he's covered. So we'll give you the key points. So the first piece is build in the inner circle. We've, we've mentioned this always that you got to get a large enough amount of people to back you on day one all at the same time because that's going to be important. So he actually goes to the point where he says it's the 30% rule. Um, so the rule suggests that campaigns that reach 30% of their funding goal within the four, first 48 hours dramatically increase their chances of success. That makes so much sense, though. Like we and we've seen that if you get over that hump, you have a better shot. And if that's like he's mathematically determined, thirty percent what's what you need in the first two days. Yeah, that's brilliant. And he's even upped it up too because he's like, as competition has increased, this rule has become even more critical. We now target fifty percent in the first forty-eight hours for our clients. Um, And he's like, if and if the thirty percent milestone is missed, oh boy, it's an uphill battle from there. Um, and he's like, the inner circle is a group that gets campaigners to that magic number. An inner circle can include VIP contacts, such as friends and families. However, a majority of the members will be prospective campaign backers acquired during the pre-launch campaign period. We recommend the inner circle is in an email list, Facebook chatbot list, or an SMS list. Um, with the funding goal, average perk value, and industry average 5% conversion rate, 
how many inner circle members convert into ca- uh, campaign backers in hand, identifying how many backers and how many inner circle camp um, client members are needed to hit that milestone is easy. So he gives you an example saying, hey, say your average perk is $100. Therefore, 30% of your funding goal, so say you're raising $100,000, is $30,000. Required backers to reach $30,000, divide that by your 100. You need 300 backers. And then if Inner Circle converts 5%, the first 300 backers come from the Inner Circle list, then Inner Circle list must contain at least 6,000 subscribers. That's such good math. What a good way to yeah. like lay that out, right? And we've talked about it, but this is like the numbers to it. We've kind of just said all along, like, yeah. rev the engine, make sure you're ready to go. This is amazing. Yeah, it's great because like when I actually looked at the math, I'm like, this is sound. And he's actually pretty conservative because you know you're going to build that list, but he's only planning on 5%. That's yeah. a, that I, I, you know, you and I, we've seen projects. I would say 5% is pretty conservative in terms of getting people to convert. So that, that kind of gives you more realistic numbers on what you want to do when you're launching your pro, uh, project. Even in consulting, in consulting other projects where they say like, we're gathering names and numbers and I'll look at it and I haven't done the math like this, but they'll say, we've got 2,500 and I'll be like, okay, 2,500, but you're trying to raise, yeah, about a hundred thousand. Yeah. Say, you're, you're about halfway there. What? No, we're just going to launch. And then they flop. Yeah, and and what's great what's great too is that we'll link to this article. But in this article, he gives you a link. Here's a plug and play template we created that'll help you come to this number. Um, and I love his his advice. If you're about to launch a crowdfunding campaign but do not have an inner circle large enough to reach that thirty percent of your funding goal, stop, delay your launch, and build your list. Um, yeah. So that like I I cannot like, like it is. In- Put it in like ads at Facebook or, or yeah. some other way with pixels. Like find a way to build that list with some marketing. Even if you're putting like trickling dollars into it, build that list so that you have it. Otherwise, you're, all your time and effort is going to be wasted. You're not going to raise anything. So you might as well even put a little money into the marketing side to build your list first. So. Yeah, yeah. Kickstarter and Indiegogo is definitely not one of those just throw it out. They will come anymore. It has changed drastically that you got to have this stuff ready to go. Um, and the other one, and we kind of mentioned it, it's not just about the inner circle converting into backers, though. It is also when they convert. To create a, and he said, create a snowball. To create a snowball, the campaigner needs this list converting the moment the campaign is live. So what you do is you send out an email, hey, you know, uh, twenty in twenty four hours we're going to launch, and I would love it if all of you guys kind of backed in that first hour, or backed right when we launched, um, and then send another hour, one hour to go, or even like five minutes to go before we launch. You know, get your mouse click. You know, ramp everybody up to do that conversion because. Um, it's going to amplify your signal a lot more if you can get all those backers in a small yes. amount of time. Um, yes. Because you live in a world on the internet where algorithms dictate what people see <sighs> all yep, around. Like face, in, Facebook entirely is manipulated by some giant algorithm. Google has some crazy search algorithm out there that you know people would pay a gazillion dollars to get their hands on. So you got to make sure you you, you know you light up the biggest signal. You know. Imagine you're lighting fireworks and you want to be the brightest firework out of all the other fireworks going off. That's what you got to do. Um, so work and get that working. And then the last part, um, and this is, I think this is where Drew can actually chime in a little bit better than I can, um, is scale your success. So once a campaign is underway, the campaigner gets insight into critical marketing data. When the data is viewed through the lens of an in, of individual marketing channels, for example, paid advertising, PR, social media, they can identify three fundamental elements of the scaling process. 
which of the marketing channels are the best performers, how their output funding level compares to their input, your investment, and three, how high their output can go. So, I mean, Drew, you, you probably can comment more about how you can do those analysis in terms of right. where you're advertising, a, right? It is, but it's kind of just like a basic ROA. And you, and even though you can guess, it, guess at it up until the time you launch, you get those first couple of days and, and hopefully you've got some of that traction happening that you can say, okay, We've put we've put feelers out here and and some I've heard this called like the the kind of the three two one method or a, a ten dollar a day method but you you basically put a little bit of money into to all the avenues that you can so that's your your Facebooks your Twitters your um, YouTube you know whatever that paid advertising is the social media and then you have to track it you have to look at the data and say how much of that's converting and if you find something that converts quickly and is is happening more often than the others then that's the one that you double down on right but yeah, you have say, to have a little bit of data and understand it. yeah say you're pulling all your stuff from facebook and you're getting like one or two at most on twitter you that's where you want to focus on is on, on your facebook page um i i can kind of tell you sort of a story so with with double burst our dice masters podcast um i i was lucky enough to have kind of all the other guys helping me and I'm used to I don't I didn't use a lot of Facebook before that you know I'm Drew you and I were mostly kind of Twitter guys yeah, um, yeah but the thing was all the audience a, a good portion of the audience for Dice Masters is on Facebook and so like I barely post our episodes on Twitter but when I post it on Facebook we get you know a you know six to a thousand six hundred to a thousand impressions on each of our posts. Um, so that's where our audience is and that, you know, that's where we focus our stuff on because we get messages through that and that stuff. So usually I get one or two at replies, but Facebook is where most of the double burst listener audience is from. So that it makes sense for us to focus more on that. If you're doing Kickstarter there, like in any project that does, that makes sense. And so it is, it's, and this is what I taught my class today. Like we talked about it and we kind of just said, you've got to figure out what, um, what, what's working for you and where your audience is and what who's giving back. And for us, it was like engagements. Like what's the engagement work? Like, what's good. That's what you double down on and put your money into, or, or even put your different posts on. So, uh, yes, I can't say enough. This is a brilliant article. If yeah. anybody out there is thinking about running a project, this is like a must read. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And he breaks it down. Great. So we'll link it into our show notes. Um, and I, like I, when I saw him, I'm like, wow, this is, this is, taking what you and I talk about all the time and actually putting the math, the numbers, numbers to it. Math. And, math. you know, maybe somebody out there will actually believe what we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> everything that we, everything we talk about, it's all right. Yeah. Here. All right. So now it is time for our kick shouts. So these are our quick Twitter link shout outs. If you guys have a crowdfunding project you want us to mention, just shoot us an email, send us a tweet, 120 characters or less, uh, or 240 characters. Now, if you want to, be like that um <laughs> let us know the project and we'll mention it on the show so this one is actually one i meant i found at salt con so it's a board gaming convention that's in U northern utah um i should have told you to come down i was already halfway to, oh i, to I saw it in fact uh, i saw all the chatter about salt, salt con in this slack yeah um and i was very tempted but i was so very busy but i thought board games i could play games all the time I know. so i'm glad you guys yeah. enjoyed yeah next year you should do it because Russ didn't go home one night. Um, <laughs> I figured that's how good it was. But so we we mentioned these. These guys are our local guys too. It is called Rise of the Ex Exiled, a fantasy throwing card game. So it's a unique game that contains adventure, fantasy, and throwing cards. Two to twelve players, about ten minutes to play. The whole idea is there's a bunch of cards and they have weapons and stuff. 
So what you're trying to do is you're trying to throw the weapons and everybody else is throwing their weapons at the same time and hit the other player's character card. And if you hit them enough, they'll die. And, you know, the last man standing is the one that wins. Um, and that is Rise of the Exiled. Make sure you guys check it out on I'll, Kickstarter. I love the throwing idea. Like, yeah. that's just... Wow. Yeah, and what, what's great is I talked to the guy. This is actually their second time trying to bring it to Kickstarter. The last time they didn't get enough of their funding goal... Um, but they were smart, and they're like, "Well, last time we raised six thousand dollars. That's why their pledge level is at six thousand dollars. We can get there again, right? <laughs> yeah, and they're yep. hoping they can get above that. Um, so that is Rise of the Exiled. Make sure you guys check that out on Kickstarter. All right, so it is time for our projects of the night, and I have to mention two out of the four projects. And yes, we have four projects because you guys always do chicanery when it comes down to voting for our third project. Um, I'll make mine fast. So, it, it and I met these guys at CES, and I just fell in love with all this stuff. So, Drew, you are, you you know, your house, everything's on Wi-Fi, your network is connected. You have you have your your thermometer or your not thermometer, yep. your thermostat, thermostat, yep. your your smoke detectors, six light too. bulbs, six light bulbs, two, your smoke detectors. smoke detectors, all my kids' little you know tablety things. I have a kid that won't let go of an iPod from like 2006 or whatever. Actually, won't let go. Of hey, it. those things, so, iPods yeah. are still sexy. I still use my iPod <laughs> Nano every single day. Yes, everything is on Wi-Fi here. Yeah, okay. and so so, but here's my question: How do you, do you how how's your network health doing? I have no clue. <laughs> I just know when I hear the wife go, "Internet sucks right now," and I hang my head in shame because I'm like. I don't know what to do. So this might be something you want to get. So our first project of the night is called Monitor.io. And it is a internet device that you plug into your router that will monitor and help you troubleshoot your internet problems in your house. Um, what's gr- it will tell me like what's sucking internet too much? Yes, or- yes it will help you tro- troubleshoot it. It will even help you monitor your internet performance. So it can tell you if it's a device that's taking all your bandwidth or if it's on the modem side and your ISP is having problems with it. That would be Uh, nice to know right there. I mean, so I know all the geeks are listening. Well, KT, you can do this with Wireshark and stuff and do your packet sniffing and look through your logs and stuff. Sure, this might not be for you, but it's for people like Drew or people for like like me who don't want to sit through all those logs and, you know, run through the command line grepping for this information. I don't even know if you're speaking English right now, but <laughs> so, yes, it sounds like the right. So, yeah, so what it does, it does 24-7 monitoring, so it'll tell you when a connected device drops off your network. So, like, I have a network attached storage. I would love to have to know if it goes offline because then I can't access my files. Um, it does trouble, Like I said, it does troubleshooting, so it helps you determine if it's it, the network degradation is in your net, inside your net, in your home network, so after the router or outside, so it's on the modem side or on the internet performance side. It tracks your internet performance because how many times have you called your ISP and they're like, it's fine. We don't see anything wrong with it. Now you can be like, I have logs of it not working. Come fix it. Right, um, right. And then it also tracks all your IoT stuff to see if it's online and will let you know if it goes offline. Because, Drew, I know you would be concerned if your um, Nest went offline and you wouldn't be able to adjust the thermostat while you're away, right? Right. Thermostat or even the, the uh uh, carbon monoxide detectors, like all those things, I do. I think about like, are they really working? Do I test them? Yeah. So, yes. so this is simple. You plug two things in. Plug an Ethernet cable from this device into your router, and you plug in the power cable, and you are set to go. Um, <laughs> you download an app if you want to uh, get the notifications on your phone, 
and you can, you know, so yeah, you connect it to your router, register it with their monitor.io service, and then you download an app if you want to get notified on your phone about it. Um, <laughs> and I talked to these guys. They are very, very like, they're like, yeah, you and I can do it. But my mom and dad, sometimes they're like, the internet doesn't work. And you're, you know, how many times have you gotten that call and you're like, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a little Pretty harder often. to troubleshoot this as we live in two different houses, you know? So with this, you could log in on the website and kind of look through the logs and stuff and you can be able to, oh, you know, it's, it seems like your desktop, the desktop computer in the den is sucking most of the bandwidth on. Have you, you know, run a virus scan or something on it or disconnect it to see if that fixes it. Yeah, very um, interesting. So they kind of kind of do that. It is a you know simple box. It has its own display on the outside too, so you can have it show when your last outages or any messages or even your IP address. Because I mean, how many times have I had to explain people how to get find their IP address? <laughs> right, right. Um, so I could like go look at that box and let me know what the number is on there, so you can fix it. Um, but I saw their their whole goal is to track all information and make it as user friendly. And you know they have some nice graphs and stuff that you can check out with it. Um, and I just love this idea. They ha- they're actually pretty smart about it, is because they actually I think it's the first fifty units have already been made, and this tier has sold out already. But oh. they're ready to ship that in April. So they had fifty of them pre-made, ready to ship out in April, and they're working on building the other ones. And uh, I just loved everything about this because, like I said, you can do it manually, but then you got to know all the tools and you got to dig through the yeah. logs. Where this kind of puts it all together. Um, keeps it running. So, like I said, if it's for your parents or your brother, sister who's not as tech savvy as you are, just leave it on their network and you can log in and pull all this information. Because, I mean, you don't want to leave, you know, all right, mom, I need you to download this packet sniffer <laughs> and then leave it running for three days so I can look My at mom the would logs. freak out. A packet? What? There's no packet sniffers in this house. <laughs> it's like, I didn't, I didn't raise you to say things like packet sniffer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's an that's a very interesting project. I I feel like um it has a lot of merit. Like you're right. Like it hits a, a cross section that doesn't maybe want to go that deep, but still is very curious about. Uh, like me, I'm the ideal person for this monitor I/O because I'm not about ready to dig in and sniff packets and do greps. What do you call them? Grepping. Yeah, grepping. Is, it's it's a search function through the command line. So yeah, see, see, <laughs> it's not, my bag. Tool. <laughs> not my bag. Not my bag. But Uh-oh. if I had a tool that I could like look at graphs and charts and I could quickly say, ah, my light bulbs are what you know what's killing yeah. me. I've I've had things that I've actually brought into the to my network, used for a week or two, and felt like they were um, you know dragging things down. But and did so you I know just, or not? Just guessed and be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, send it back. So this is be brilliant. I like this. This is a back for me. I think this is a brilliant idea. Yeah, and like it's not that expensive. Um, so like right for so if you do it in the first week at seventy nine or ninety dollars, I think they're aiming at a hundred and twenty when it comes out retail. Oh, that's quite a hundred and thirty. Hundred and thirty. Which you're like, well, that's expensive. I mean, your routers are that much, and if you're paying five dollars to your Comcast to rent a router, anyways, that's about the same price. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. And, and this will give you all the information you need. Um, and yeah, I talked to them and they were showing, walking me through their UI too. Cause I'm like, okay, that's a cool device, but what does your UI, what does the reporting look like? I'm like, oh, we worked hard to make sure you can kind of troubleshoot and figure out this really easy. And they, they loaded it up and showed me. So that was in January and it's March now. So, yeah. you know, the product is 
pretty much well baked and they just need to i think produce it in scale so yeah this is so the the monitor io is definitely a back for me find them on kickstarter um drew this next project is not a tech project but it is oh. definitely something that you need if you play a stringed instrument and i have pretended to play a stringed instrument sometimes I'll grab my kid's stringed instrument. Check this bad boy out. And she left I mean, it on the ground? No, it was in its case. <laughs> I was, I was, I've had it, I had it prepped and ready. <laughs> but um, I'm not... I don't, I, don't, I don't play, you guys. I don't play. But check out this project. This is my, my sweet eight-year-old's violin that she just got. Uh, the next size up, so I don't know how they. Oh, she's she's, things, she's so. growing then. Um, she's already growing up, so yeah, she's she played for about a year. Yeah, so so the way you figure out what size violin you need is you take your arm and you wrap it around the end of it, and if your arm is like extending as far as Drew's, is you definitely need a bigger one because you should be able to wrap the your fingertips around the end of the thing to get the right length um, with that. So that 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 that's why she grew up to the next size. But that's what she got up. What? So what's awesome is is that we took this to lessons today, and since it's a it's a not only is it a brand new violin, even though it's a rental, but um, and a bigger size, but the uh, our teacher she always gives it kind of a quick tune before they do their practice and their playing. Uh-huh. But we spent probably, I'd say almost seven, maybe ten minutes of a forty minute lesson trying to figure out this little piece right here. She calls it the hot dog. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a I always want to call it a shoulder rest, but it's really a collarbone rest. Yes, uh, a collarbone rest. Yeah. Look at you. Look at you. I, I played the viola. I played the viola for five years, so yeah, yeah, see? yeah. So I have I have one of those things. The problem with those things are you got to size it right, and they fall off way easily. Um, yes. And, big problem. Yeah. So and so the pro- the the big problem with that is, and a lot of people don't know is when you play the violin or the viola, you should be able to hold your instrument with just your chin and your, your collarbone. Like you sh- you shouldn't, you, like when you're playing, your hand should not be holding up the instrument. Um, but, but you do, you have to put a lot of pressure on that. You've got to kind of pinch it. Yeah. And, and, and if this is wrong, it takes a lot of shoulder strength and kind of... Yeah, and if you don't have that, you, you just can't do it. I mean, I remember the, the poor man's solution for that is what you do is you go buy a sponge... We had a sponge on and, the last, and one. then you you cut it in half, and then you take rubber bands and attach it to that. Um, but so this project right here will solve a lot of the the pro- problems, right? And that's why this popped up today in our, in my feed as I was looking through projects, and I went, "Oh my gosh, we just spent like minutes of my money time trying to figure out how to make this like fit for my little girl's size." And I could see everything that this guy talks about in his video about what are issues and and what viol- violinists violinists. String instrument players. Violins they are cooler with, than violins, by the way. I, I believe you. <laughs> so this project is called the Cradle Cushion. Now the Cradle has they kickstarted before, and the Cradle was a, like a much more versatile chin rest, and now they're back like a year and a half later with the Cradle Cushion, which is for that collarbone area, and they do a fantastic job of just kind of explaining the like the pluses and and kind of the benefits of this new. I guess rendition of the of the collarbone rest because they you know these the, what they built and had shipped out with all kinds of violins is kind of antiquated and so this uh, this guy just did a great job convincing me that really what they've designed with the cradle cushion 
solves all of those problems. It was, it was just interesting to me that just today I saw all those problems like happening while we're trying to like organize and straighten things and and it was wobbling between you know like pivoting on the collarbone yeah he, nothing's the scarier when you're playing you're in the middle of playing and you can tell it's coming loose oh geez <laughs> like my expensive instruments gonna knock over hold it anyway so i looked at this and i thought what a fantastic like answer to this problem is the cradle cushion it grips it holds it makes like this beautiful instrument that's been around for however many eons but it gives it that, like, I don't know, makes it part of your body, right? It sits nicer in there so you don't have to use so much of your muscles to hold on to it and, and play. You can just, like, bury it into your collarbone, let it sit nice. And, and it's not going to hurt. Because like, yeah, I've had some of these collar rests that they're pain, they hurt more than they helped. And I'd have to, you know, figure out a way to mitigate that. But I like this. And I also like how low profile it is, too. Uh, yeah, you can fit that in a case. You don't have to put it on afterwards. Like, yeah, that was always yeah. the pain, and I'd always have to make sure I wouldn't forget my shoulder rest because it never fit in the case. <laughs> it, uh, yep. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I, totally, totally back for me. I think that just the, the Cradle has done some... They've already like proven themselves in previous uh, projects. The Cradle Cushion is just like a fantastic iteration where they listened to the market and they said, oh, you guys want us to fix that? We'll put our minds to it. And then they came up with this. And one of the cushions is like 30 bucks, which is it's totally worth it. It's better. Totally than, tr- trust me. It is totally worth it because you don't want to look, you don't want to be the ghetto looking kid that has like the sponges, two, two sponge pads hanging under your instrument. And you had to make sure you got the sponges that didn't have soap already in them. Like that's when, <laughs> that's when I discovered that there are some sponges that you can buy that already have like dish soap embedded into them. And you don't want to do that because you're going to ruin the varnish on your instrument funny totally a back for me the yeah cradle cushion yeah this one's a back for me too i i love it it's it's already funded and it, there's definitely a need for this so if, you know and i what's great is this actually might be a great kind of gift for birthday or christmas for somebody yeah. who plays a stringed instrument because you know you get you're like you know sometimes like i stuck with the chin rest i had for the longest time because like well it works right you never kind of look out to see if anything's better so the cradle cushion might be that. A good gift for that. Can you tell, would this fit on like a, a smaller violin? Is, does uh, it look like a universal size? I'd have to check, but it All probably right, does. Yeah, I, 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 I have to check, but I think it does. Um, if not, that's a great question to ask kind of in the comments or send them to see what they're doing. Yeah, but, would this fit? But like I, think it's about, uh, I think it's about a standard size, so it should fit. Um, okay. All right. So now it is time for our last project, and our last project is always special because you guys at home are always get to play with it, and you guys love to mess with me because you always somehow seem to make the options tie. Um, so we actually have two of these projects. Um, the first one I'm going to need your help with, Drew, because I have zero experience with this. But <laughs> so when your kids were growing up, did they have an alphabet pegboard? Yes. So yes. If, if you guys don't know what that is, because I had. To- <laughs> If I didn't see the visual of this, I would have no idea what it is. A pegboard is one of those boards that have A to Z on it, and all, each, you can pull out each letter, and then yep. there's a picture of like an apple or something under A, right? And oh, yeah. the whole goal is to kind of get the kid to be able to link the two, right? A is for apple, B is for 
I don't right? know. It, it's it's chronological, like yeah. which one comes first. It's also like, yeah, what what letter has what sound. So yeah, it is it's just a puzzle that has letters. Yeah. So the big problem with those is it's static. Once they've learned all, you know, all the letters of the alphabet, uh, G is for giraffe or giraffe, if you want to teach your kids that. Uh, <laughs> giraffe. <laughs> um, you know, that's it, right? The, the the board's useless. Like, do you have a alphabet board somewhere in your house? I bet I do. I bet I do. I'm sure it's in a, in a bucket down in Sky's room. Yeah. So what's great about this is it's interchangeable. So there's actually a slot in the back of the board. So you can take out the sheet that has like A is for Apple and then put in another one. And it has different, um, you know, kind of different things. And the whole idea is as the kid grows up, you're going to find um, different kind of backgrounds that they can associate and go mm. with when they grow, grow up. Like, uh, I think one of them was, I think I saw A for Autobus, um, even though it's Spanish, I think. Sure, sure. Um, but, but okay, so we're talking like basically a dynamic puzzle board? Like yeah. You can change it. So, yeah, you just slip in a new sheet of paper, they pull it out, and bam, different different things. So that, you know, because you know how some kids tend to start memorizing locations, too, on the board? So if you switch that up, too, it's going to cause them, oh, wait, I got to, you know, think about this a little bit more, right? And kind of make that kind of way to associate with each other so yeah. as as the kid grows up they can learn new vocabulary words and stuff with it too really um, and and really it makes it just so much more versatile because these boards like you're paying like sometimes 15 20 bucks because it's all wood and it's all like, seriously <laughs> they're not cheap and so you do, i mean i pass them down from kid to kid and that's how you kind of justify the cost but to do something dynamic like this your kid could use this even up until you know all the way, probably even through grade school, there are things that you can attach to the ABCs that, while it's a different learning process that would happen in that age, you could still work vocabulary. You could work other types of things. Yeah, and what's great is it comes in different languages, too, because I know your kids go oh, cool. to a uh, Chinese immersion school, right? Yes, um, me and, how. And, and then I think one of my friends, their, their, their kids learned in Spanish. Aloha. So, so, That's Spanish. <laughs> Aloha, Spanish. <laughs> so, shame. Um, so what you could do is you put in an english one and then you go put in like a spanish one so it helps them be bilingual right yes like autobus is spanish for bus if i remember correctly besa besa la cabeza i'm trying to think of all my spanish words. <laughs> uh so like yeah I, I i love how it allows you to grow with a kid and change things up because I don't have any kids. I don't. I sort of have experience, and I've noticed that some kids they, they get smart. Like they don't really make the association. They just know where it is on the board, and they know if they do it right, they're going to get a treat or something. Mm. So that that's how they memorize things. So you can switch it up and force them to kind of learn with it. And there's also an app with it that you can actually add to it and track their progress. So you can see how they've progressed over time and what they're picking up and what they're not picking up. So you can help work with the kids on that. Um, there's a the app is attached to the board somehow. Uh, no, it's just in so it's with the Alpha Tub mobile app. You can not only keep track and share the learning progress of your child, but you can also create and download new graphics or sheets, and even sellers share your content at the Tub Marketplace. So if you want oh. more sheets, you can actually download them from that too. Oh, interesting, interesting, dynamic indeed. So, so I I really like it. It's a back for me, but I'm not a parent, so I, my my words probably crap. But what about you as an actual <laughs> parent who's raised kids with these things? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a little past that, but I think that it, it is a back because I think that it gives that versatility, and you buy so many things for those kids at that age. 
that having something that is going to have a little bit more longevity to it makes a lot of sense. So and that's kid, a back. Kids' toys are expensive. Yes. Um, they're expensive. So our next one is sort of a toy, but it is also a learning thing. Um, so, Drew, I, you have three three wonderful girls, right? Wonderful. Wonderful girls most of the time. Um, <laughs> and, like, so ha, ha, have any of them kind of expressed kind of that maker mentality where they want to yeah. construct things, put things together? Or have has any of them gotten to the part where I think my family hated where they would take everything apart to figure out what they work. So far, nobody has been taking things apart, but I do have I do have one that loves to um, tinker and create, and she calls it her um, inventor inventor table. And so she'll go out into the garage and just put things together and just oh, pretend to invent. She's going to love this because this our last one is called the Make Pad, and it's going to allow your kids to put together their own tablet and learn how to code. Oh, oh. <laughs> so this was cool. I saw this at CES and I was talking to the guy um, who created it. And he was like, yeah, I wanted to build something that grows with a child. So not only do you, you know, the first part is, so the MakePad is a Raspberry Pi powered tablet. It has okay. a 10.1 touchscreen display on it. Um, and then it has a couple of different IO boards. It has a battery packer pack of it. But when you get it, it's not assembled. And then your kid has to put it to learn how first learn how to put it together, um, and then after they've put it together, the OS on it is it runs on Raspberry Pi, so they can even load up Minecraft Pi or any of kind of you know you could turn it into a giant emulator station. So, Drew, I, you know you could teach your kids how to play um, Double Dragon on Super Nintendo or Zelda <laughs> and stuff. Um, that, but not only that, but there's a full OS on there that actually scales in terms of learning how to program. So um, all the programs are baked in already, so you don't have to have them on the internet if you don't want them to. Um, mm-hmm. And then they can learn from, to code, and it scales by how how old the child is, and you can learn. So you can see the assembly process right here is you attach the battery, you attach the I.O. board, you attach the um, display, all, and it's all in the back of the tablet, and it's clear so you can so they can show their friends, like, I put this together. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's also this is this is you'll love this. It's Lego compatible. <laughs> I love that. So you could like design and stick things on it after yeah. and around. Yeah. So like if you didn't like the case, you could actually build your own case for it too. Um, but yeah, you you can see right here like the top and bottom have uh, the Lego pegs on them, so you can attach your peg your Lego yeah. to it. Um, so yeah, so it comes with a kids friendly screwdriver. I just barely noticed that because. Screwdrivers. You might worry a little bit when your kid's like, I need the power drill to put this together. <laughs> <laughs> um, a wall charger, a 10.1 touch display, a battery module, a speaker module, color-coded cables, a Raspberry Pi 3. Um, and it is like, I love everything about this. Um, and you can see a picture of their OS. They have different kind of planets for apps and coding and all of that. So it's not like they're going to, after they build it, they're going to go straight into a, a Linux work end or anything. Really? But yeah. I, I just love the whole part of it is that not only does your kid get to build it, you can actually grow on it. And what's even great is say, you know, your your kids are like, Dad, what are these extra pins on the Raspberry Pi, the GPIO pins? He actually has a cutout on the back where you can access it so you don't have to take it apart again to get access to the GPIO pins. So, Excellent. If, you know, if your kid wants to like, 
use it to build a robot or use it to like add temperature sensors and stuff. There's still, you still can get to them without taking apart the uh, raspberry Pi. Um, That's why I I love this. I love this whole part of it. I would have killed to have this if I was a kid. Right. Um, Because not only like I'll have a fully working tablet, but I built it. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, one that I remember when I was a kid was they had these little electronic things called like the the Heath kits. Yeah. Like the Heath kits and stuff. Uh I always wanted one of those. They're like, okay, but this would be like, yeah, I built this. I have this. Yes. And, and, and like, unlike those other kits, you can, that Raspberry Pi, so say your kids get bored with it, you can turn it into, like, a, uh, you know, Xbox Media Center or emulator station. There's so many things you can do with a Raspberry Pi that you're not, it's not just going to sit in a closet somewhere gathering dust. Um, right, right. So right, right. now they're at $13,000 out of the $50,000 I want. Um, I'm, I'm really tempted to just back one of these for myself. <laughs> <laughs> build your own little tablet and learn to code yeah I, I mean like and what's great about some of these learn to code stuff is and this was a big thing because i saw a lot of education tech and erasmus like so how are you teaching them to learn the code and a lot of them now kind of have like snap in modules so you're not writing code but you can pull like an or loop or if then loop and they all attach together kind of like virtual oh, block legos code. yeah block, block yeah, code, block code. Yeah. Right? Block code. So, and and still like i've seen those where you can Flip them around and it'll show you the actual syntax. Yeah, you know, beyond just the visual part of it. But that is a fantastic way to code. So my eleven-year-old has has tried that method and she gets it. Yeah. So I mean, I think she'd love it. And Rev asked, "Does it have a front-facing camera for selfies?" Guess what? Since those GPIO ports are open, you can totally buy a Raspberry Pi compatible camera, and then to mount it, it has Lego blocks on it. So attach it using the Lego blocks, and bam, selfie for camera right there. Right. That's Um, right. So Rev's I, always thinking. He's so helpful in the chat. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. So, great ideas. Yeah. So like that is the MakePad. This is definitely a back for me. Is it a backtracker sack for you? Is it back for me? I, I think it's pricey, but it also for the uh, idea of being able to like put things together to give your kid just the hands on and the ownership and the expandability, like it's definitely a back. They're heading the right direction. Yeah, with this one. And, and you know, I know some people may think it's pricey, but if you think about it, $250, where are you going to find, you know, if you're going to go buy them a Kindle or a tablet or something, they're about that price anyways. And yeah, I, at least I, this is designed to be a little bit more robust because they know kids are going to handle it. So would you rather have them having to drop this or would you have them drop I just, like well, an iPad? Yeah. <laughs> I just even having them know what goes into it. I think they'd take a little bit more care if they were like, oh, these pieces have to stay together. I think they'd lock it up. and they Yeah. And if they break the Raspberry it. Pi, it's a $35 board computer that you can replace pretty yep. easily. Um <laughs> Yep. so i i love everything about this um and so like yeah it has a three watt speaker 800 milliamp battery 16 gig sd card that you can put in bluetooth four usb ports all the good stuff <laughs> with it um so make sure you guys check them out that is the make pad all right now it is time for our sack of the week i'm excited about this one um but i haven't seen it yet so i mean Drew, you and I, we have we have we have friends in San Francisco, right? Yes. And, Special people. And yeah, that's probably the best way to describe some of them, right? Yeah, and yeah. did you did you hear about that rave of them drinking raw water and like companies selling it for like sixty bucks a bottle of raw unfiltered water? No. That sounds ridiculous. And people 
I'd never do it. We filter the water for a reason, guys. <laughs> you get Giardia <laughs> once and you never want to get it again because guess what? The doctor can't do anything about it. <laughs> you just got to let it self-limiting. But for those two or three days while that Giardia is going through your system, trust me, you are not going to have fun. You no, don't want Giardia. Filter your water. Dang it. Do it. No. Um, so... I guess this is going along that, and I don't know French, so correct me if I'm wrong. So it's called 24-K-E-U-Door, what, or whatever. I don't know. I, don't, I took Spanish. Well, is it O? O-Door. 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 So this is 24-karat gold mineral water. Oh. The water oh. that twinkles help us create the first commercially available gold water. So, gold water. So I get it's water that has gold specks in it. I, I what? I posted this for everybody in the Slack channel where all the podcast hosts are, and I'm like, why? And everybody was like, just because they can. Twenty four karat gold mineral water glass bottle. <laughs> I, <don't... laughs> I just I wait. I don't understand it. You drink purest gold? You drink mineral water? Are you yeah. drinking gold or mineral water? It's mineral water that has gold specks in it, is, is my <laughs> guess. I mean, gold is, a, this? gold is a mineral, right? So I guess. But so his story. Hey, you. I'm Lucas Mitten, the founder of 24 Odor. Like any other Kickstarter project, I need your backing and support to make this project successful. This crowdfunding project is all or nothing, meaning I won't get a single dime if we do not meet my funding goal. Check your spelling, guys. It annoys me when I start reading these and those grammar mistakes. Um, without your support, the project isn't possible. The standard mineral waters on the market are often overpriced and boring. This is why many people choose soda instead. No, um, <laughs> we want to change that. We've created a beautiful 24-karat gold mineral water. The bottle is made of glass, so it's sustainable. The mineral water is magnesium-rich and of Scandinavian quality. And the gold is from North America's nature. 24 Odor is just as amazing as it sounds. Today, you can drink mineral water without feeling bad about nature. You can drink the purest gold. You can drink mineral water of the highest quality. You can drink the 24-karat Odor pure luxury. Wow. So... Reading this, I'm thinking that's that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, hype for special water. However, as a gag gift or as a humorous gift, I wouldn't mind having a bottle or two, a glass bottle or two that I could just point to and say, "Yes, there are gold flecks in that water." Like that's just to me is worth the nine bucks to buy two bottles of this to back two bottles. You, you know what I would <laughs> say to you though? It's like, so you're pooping out gold? I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, that's how good I am. But they have to ship. I mean, it looks like they have to ship from, where is he at? Cop uh, Denmark. Denmark. <laughs> so so I better step down to one bottle. But even one bottle is about $11 once you add the shipping. 39 but, Danish kroners for shipping. That's more than the pledge. I'm backing it right now. The, the right pledge now. is 29 Danish kroners. And, I, and if somebody figured. lives in Denmark and says I use the wrong currency, I apologize. But it says DKK, and I think that's Danish kroners. But I could be wrong. The last time you used your kroners, I don't know. But that's it. <laughs> You're I'm seriously backing, backing this? Yep. 
Yep, I think that if I have a chance to drink gold water, I need to jump on it every you're chance. You're not going to drink it, though. I know you're not going to drink it. I'm not going to drink it. I'm not going to drink it. I'm going to put it up and share it with friends and family. <laughs> you're just going to have it on a show. If you're gonna I, do well, I can't get my password. Let me in. <laughs> I don't, if you're going to do that, Drew, why don't you just get an empty bottle, an empty glass bottle, and say that, put some like, <laughs> some put, put glitter. some glitter in it and say you have gold. Oh my gosh, this won't let me in. I want it back to it's the a, door. It is a sign. The Kickstarter is telling you that you I'm can't. I'm getting two bottles this time. I'm getting two bottles and I'm sharing one with you. That's that's how much I love you. I'm going to give you for Christmas a gold water bottle. Because they're like, so is the water bottle made out of gold? No. Drew has enough money that to burn. He bought me water that has gold that in has it. has gold in it. Bam. Got it. So... $16.65 will give me two bottles. Coming my way. Woo! I like Revs. I can make you a bottle of water with fool's gold in it. <laughs> Maybe that's all this is. <laughs> There's no could, way I'm going to be able to tell. It could. I don't think it's going to make its goal. <laughs> so, well, they're, looking, they're looking for $6,000 and they have 188 right now. I just, I just backed it. I can't believe you backed it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if you think about... There are some crazy people out there that we, you know, that eat gold cupcakes or gold sprinkles on things like that. The, yeah, I, I, I've seen like chocolates and stuff that have like gold flakes on it, and I'm like, that seems like right? waste. It does, but there are people out there that not only like make things with it, but then they like, uh, you know, they they serve the buffet with it or they cater with it. So if the right places got a hold of this idea, like. There would be people drinking it just know, like in San Francisco. I, I don't know why he's like not marketing this to Vegas and stuff. That's the, and that's I, what I, I'm talking about. Those are the type of people that you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is for them. Kickstarter is like not quite the right element. But anyway, when I get my bottle, I'll send it to you. Oh, my gosh. I, I love the, uh, the 24K inspiration. Gold twinkle. Every bit of the 24 karat gold reflects beautiful twinkles in light. Oh, man. Like, as a designer, seriously, bro, don't put it in gold. It's hard to read. Um, 24 karat cocktail. The gold twinkles add extra luxury, even when mixed with a cocktail. Why would you mix water into a cocktail? Um, enjoy cool. 24 karat should be enjoyed cold to achieve the delicate experience. <laughs> I didn't know what he was saying. The, uh, the delicious content, 24 karat gold. Every bottle contains 2.25 milligrams of 24 karat gold. That's not a lot. Um, mineral water, every bottle contains 500 milliliters of mineral water. So half a liter of mineral water and the mineral is calcium, magnesium, sodium, iron, and potassium. I'll put that in my body. You bet. <laughs> so you, you, oh, man, I, I, you actually backed this. <laughs> Gold schlager. Lick. Oh <laughs> yeah, I did. I backed that. I totally backed that. Oh, I was man. just looking at the chat. Rev was, was pointing out another bottle of, of gold sort of water that was just gold schnapps. Well, yeah. Uh, have, you, have you seen uh, Superbad? Um, uh, uh, I don't know that I have. Uh, what's her name? Wants the wants a bottle of gold flake vodka, and they get that for her. And that's what they get? Oh, how funny. Um, oh, what's her name? The redhead. That's not really a redhead. Easy A. Um, she was in Spider Man. As uh, oh man, I'm I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm 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 losing cred right now because I can't remember her name. Uh, Emma Stone. 
Emma Stone. Yeah. Thank you, Rev. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think Thank it was you. Emma Stone, or was it's been a while since I've seen Superbad, um, but I think it was Emma Stone that wanted that. Could watch it. Cold vodka, and then she ends up throwing up all over the dude. <laughs> oh, it was it was Emma Stone's friend that wanted the gold flake vodka. Ah. But, yeah. Ah. Um. Yeah. Chat was pointing out that this was not the first sack that I've backed. I know. I, 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 I feel like you're me. trolling me somehow by backing all these sacks. Did I show you, did I show you the, um, the yeah, strip off? Yeah, the it was strip, yeah, we did the strip off. You covered that too. I'm just... Yeah, yeah, I got it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work very well at all. Yeah, at, at this rate, we're going to have to change sack of the week to Drew's back of the week. Drew's back of the week. <laughs> KT picks it and Drew backs it. <laughs> that? There was one that was like, was it the the buttergram, the twerkogram? What was it? It was some sort. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I think I remember it was that. A, it was a sack that they were like they were gonna like do like a personal a like, personal twerking video. Thrustogram. 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 <laughs> it was a thrustogram. I wanted what? one of those so bad. <laughs> Did you pack that one too? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> This is a dangerous habit that I have. Oh, jeez. So if you guys ever look at Drew's Kickstarter profile um, and you see weird <laughs> things, it's probably it's my fault. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> um, so that, guys, is our sack of the week. And unfortunately, that is the end of our show today. Um, <laughs> I think we stretched this show to over an hour, didn't we? I, 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 yeah, but it was worth it, I guess. Um <laughs> If you guys enjoyed it and you want to see when Drew gets his 24 karat gold, um, follow Join me. You, if you all back, we might actually make our gold. Follow him on Twitter at night20, at KT Data for myself, and at KitCast for the show. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for Sacks of the Weeks or anything for the show, shoot us an email, kickcast at ktdata.net or on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash kickcast. I managed not to say the double burst one, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you message the double burst one, I'd get it anyways. <laughs> and kickcast.net for our show notes, past episodes, um, and links to the KT Data Network if you're ever curious what else we do on the site. Um, hopefully, I will have our SaltCon stuff up soon because I didn't do a lot of video there because it's mostly playing games and not right. convention right. stuff. Um, Drew, do you got anything to plug before we go? Um, I, did we talk about my, uh, my, my documentary in the Utah film festival? Um, it was nominated as one of the, oh, no. uh, yeah, no, that's new. So yeah, that new. So it was nominated, uh, windows of change was nominated as, as one of the, so they take like the top 10 out of all the entries and that's the ones that get rejudged, I guess. So that was for the Utah film awards. We're in the, we're in the top 10. I don't expect, to can I vote anything. for it somehow or anything? No, can, it's all into can judges. I, can I bribe someone? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited about that. It really it validates a lot of the work that we put into it. And it's really nice to see that out of like 2000 entries, they whittled it down to 400 and then each of their, um, you know, categories, they have kind of a top 10 that the, the night of the awards, they'll, they'll give a f- first place out. So I'm not expecting that, but I'm really happy that it got nominated. So yeah, that's about so all I'm promoting. Maybe the, when's the deadline for the voting on that, or when are they going to announce it? The show, the show will be April seventh, so I think it's it's coming up. All right, so so hopefully in two episodes' time, we will have. Some I, news. I, I will have to introduce Drew as an award-winning documentary. <laughs> right now, 
Yeah, right yeah. now I'm right, right now you're a finalist yeah, documentarian. Yeah. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. <laughs> happy. Totally um, happy. On there. And and of course, can they still download it? Because I think it is a an amazing piece of work that should I'll be put it, should yeah, be I'll watched it, every single time or every single chat. every single week. Yeah. Well, it is. It keeps you grounded, even just once a year to be like, Oh, hey, I I should serve more so it's it's a heartfelt like inspirational motivational thing so yeah and i i, I loved it and like it's weird because you're not in it but i can i can feel the touch of drew or is that <laughs> or is that the wife but <laughs> she's, she's it's much it's much of her she did so much work <laughs> um but yeah i loved it make sure you guys check that out we'll link that in the show notes also um of course and then join us for our next episode which oh my gosh the march is already halfway done um uh, march 27th is going to be our, our next live show and you know you want to show up because the conversations we have if you like the conversations during the show you'll love the conversations before and after can uh, we have a patreon level or wherever you go with this that that's just a thrustogram a weekly thrustogram you can do that <laughs> <laughs> no one wants one for me no one wants thrustogram. One. <laughs> or maybe it's an unsub if you if you if you if you back us at this level we will not send you our thrustograms you're welcome yeah, and um, and while I'm here and I'm mentioning it, if you guys are listening to this and you have Amazon Prime but you don't do the Twitch Prime, I would greatly appreciate it if you actually made a Twitch account and went to twitch.tv forward slash ktdata and link up your Amazon account and send a Twitch Prime sub this way. All the money yes. goes back into the show in terms of hosting fees and all that good stuff and maybe one or two tacos, but I'm being transparent with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.